Yo-ho, I'm Damien Roos, and today, interval road hunting 2x20s and W-prime balance. You got a question about cycling? I got you covered. But if I can't find the answer, it doesn't exist. This is your cycling questions answered. Question one. Clear lenses for nighttime riding. Do you have any suggestions for clear lenses to wear at night while training in order to protect my eyes from bugs and wind? I'm currently wearing cheapo lenses from Amazon and I'm having real issues with them fogging up in the Louisiana heat, humidity and blinding me. I'm willing to shell it out for a nice pair of all-purpose glasses, Oakley's, where I can swap lenses for my daytime needs too. But first and foremost, is the need to find something that isn't going to fog up at night? Any help advice would be much appreciated. Well, personally, I use a pair of Oakley racing jackets with yellow lenses, or as I actually do wear glasses, I have a very minor nearsightedness that I push the boundaries on if I'm not wearing my glasses. I find the Oakleys, though, have a better wraparound effect and they are better at keeping out wind and bugs. Regarding fogging, I live in a pretty high humidity climate myself and at night it's still over 25 degrees C. But I find the Oakleys don't fog up as much as my normal specs. And this really does surprise me because I can go out and it can be muggy as anything What is even crazier is that the Oakley racing jacket design is a two-lens design, so there's not much airflow going through there. Of course, the lenses themselves have some holes in them, but I'm pretty sure that really doesn't do anything at all. When we talk about glasses, they are such a personal choice. I don't know what style you want to go for. If you're willing to wear some cheapos from Amazon, I'm guessing you're not necessarily thinking about style first, but going for function. And from my experience, you want more of an open lens, nothing too close to your face. And usually you want an anti-fog coating that's going to work in a tropical climate. There's different needs for cold climates and hot climates. And an anti-fog coating is definitely going to help in that regard. But the real question then comes back down to, do you want Euro uniqueness or common cool, which Oakley's are, or some small up and coming brand? There's all these things to consider. Just make sure that your frames match your helmet and that matches your shoes. Question two, what's displayed on your crit race day head unit? My Garmin 520 shows laps, power, heart rate, and maybe time distance, depending on the race format. I'm curious what others use. My preference is as simple as possible. In something like a crit, power is not really necessary for me because it's not steady state. It's just a distraction. I'm coming around a corner. I'm burning out. It's up and down. It's up and down. So it's not going to give me any really valuable feedback. I will normally just have something like elapsed time, and that is usually usually it. Something else that I've been thinking about for the last few months though, but can't implement just yet because I don't have the equipment and you have a Garmin 520, which you actually can do this. So this is what I'm going to recommend. It's having W prime balance displayed on your computer instead. You can download this as a Garmin Connect IQ app straight into your Garmin 520. I'll put a link in the show notes, but let's backtrack a little bit here and figure out exactly what W prime balance is though 
And the simple explanation is that we all start with a set amount of energy at the start of every ride. And this value known as W prime is measured in joules. So an energy measurement. And while you're riding at low intensity, W prime remains at its full level and you can theoretically continue riding at this intensity indefinitely. But if you push harder, you'll start using this energy. The limit at which you start to lower your W prime is known as critical power or CP. For our uses though, just consider CP and FTP the same. FTP runs under a different system and it was developed by Dr. Andy Coggan and he has a metric similar to W prime called FRC, functional reserve capacity in WKO4, but I'm not going to confuse them. They run under the same kind of premise, but they're not exactly the same. So I don't want to insult anybody here. So once you go over your FTP, W prime decreases. As soon as your watts get lower than FTP, W prime will regenerate and the value will increase again. So if you ride long enough below FTP, W prime will be at 100% again. Here's the caveat though, Dr. Skiba, the person behind W prime has done studies looking into this regeneration and from what I've read, it takes a really long time to get back to W prime. So don't expect miracles here. So I'm talking about you don't sit just below threshold, go above threshold for a minute and then come back down to threshold and then it comes back in five minutes. We're talking about going down to full recovery and then sitting there for an hour or so before it comes back. And they aren't even real figures. I'm just giving you an idea here. But it's the variations in W prime that are expressed as W prime balance. And this value is used in the cycling data analysis software Golden Cheetah. And also Dr. Skiba has his own, which is called Race Day. And this will give you a good idea if you've burnt any matches and even which matches you've burnt, meaning at what power outputs can you sustain and how long. It's really, really useful for something like a criterium and you have a really good idea if you should sit in because you've used up all your matches or your burning matches just sitting in because you're going over your FTP a lot or you can go for a flyer if you have something left to go for an attack. So it gives you a really tangible visual cue of how much energy you have, how many seconds you can sit above at these levels or whatever. So it would be really useful. And I haven't actually seen anyone roll this out, even though this app is out there. I've never seen it in practice, but I am really, really pumped for it. And I can't wait till somebody gets in contact with me to tell me that they've been doing it. And I can't wait till I can do it myself. Question three, why 2 by 20 I have heard the 2 by 20 interval thrown around a lot. Why 2 by 20 Is that 20 at FTP or 20 at sweet spot? Why not keep working up after 2 by 20 by doing 315 and 325 and 320, for example? FastCat Coaching talks about doing a very large amount of sweet spot per week once your training improves to that level. Is that per week? Any thoughts? That last bit didn't really make any sense. What we're talking about is the classic, the absolute classic 2 by 22 meaning two times, and 20 meaning 20 minutes, so 40 minutes of work. It's the basis of many an athlete's training, something that I will actually use in my training prescriptions, but I also go beyond 2 by 20s to get a clear idea of how the build-up works. 
First, we start with the 10% intensity rule, which states that you add around 10% of extra intensity each week when you're building. You don't want to do any more because you're going to overreach and get into trouble. So a typical build for me when I'm prescribing will look like this, 3 by 10 minutes, 2 by 15 minutes, 2 by 20 minutes, 1 by 40 minutes, 3 by 15 minutes, and 3 by 20 minutes. So we get to a magic 60 minutes of workout. And right now, this is blindly prescribed based on the athlete's ability just to complete the efforts. So as long as there's compliance, they're able to get through them, we move on. But that's changing for me in 2017, and I will get into that in just a moment. But first, though, the original idea here is that we want to extend the time spent at endurance zones in and around FTP. We're talking about spending time in FTP tempo and sweet spot and up until this point the build has been based on starting at tempo intensity so i'll start these intervals at 85 percent of ftp until you can complete that hour or sometimes more because technically tempo can go beyond an hour and all things being equal you can also measure this with complementary analytics such as decoupling but there's no need to touch that right now. Then as you switch into your late base phase or an early build, you change it to FTP. You're going up in intensity in a linear program. And again, this is about being able to sustain these intensities for longer. There is a component of wanting to raise the intensities. So training to increase the FTP, for example, the intensity that you can sit at. And that uses a different approach, and it's a different topic for another day. Now, how am I changing my approach in 2017? Up until now, it's been really hard to quantify the improvement of a rider when looking at the work under and around FTP and how that increases their ability to stay at FTP. 20-minute tests aren't the best way to measure this because they may give you a figure, but that figure, it may not be possible for somebody to actually in real life sit there for 60 minutes. So I'm going to follow the new WKO4 metric called time to exhaustion or TTE and prescribe my workouts as follows. TTE is a measure of how long you can sit at your current FTP. Because like I said, you can't always sit at 60 minutes, even though that is the definition of functional threshold power. It's the power that you can sit at 60 minutes. It's not always true. So we want to train that in a way that we can extend the time that you spend in this zone. And extending the durations of time spent at different intensities can still follow the 10% rule, but it gives you clear guidelines on how to train them in sessions, and it's a better way to quantify the workload for any athlete. So these are the minimum durations that I will set when training in different intensities. In tempo, I'll be aiming for a maximum of 150% of TTE, sweet spot, 110% to 125% of TTE, and FTP, 105% of TTE. This way, we can always be on the edge trying to push the time to exhaustion out further. And once we're done with this, that's when we go and try and raise the FTP by hitting it with harder and shorter efforts. To quickly answer the part about sweet spot, you want to do as much as possible for me after the mid-season break because that's when you can kickstart the program again. You can add it in earlier, but I find generally by the time I've gone through tempo and on-bike strength stuff that it's FTP time and the rider can handle it and we're ready and we're away. Question four, where do you do your intervals? 
Title says it all. Where do you do your intervals? I have a hill right by my house that's great for repeats, approximately seven minutes of work each climb until I get a little faster for flats, sprint work, etc. However, I've been using a bike path nearby. I'm not a fan though. Depending on the weather and the time of the day, the path can get really crowded with commuters, runners, walkers, etc. Unless I want to be an unsafe asshole, there are plenty of occasions when I have to pause my interval and wait for a good opportunity to go around someone this obviously is not ideal. So I'm curious to know, where do you do your workouts? Since I live in a city, the next couple of options for me where a decent flat without traffic signs is 45 to 60 minutes away. Not exactly ideal. I'm considering getting rollers or a trainer for intervals and winter work. Anyhow, I couldn't use rollers for sprinting, blah, 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 blah. All right. The first advice would be go when no one is there. I guess maybe that's possible. Maybe that's not. Maybe that's too obvious. So let's keep digging. I've definitely faced this problem, especially when being in a new city and not knowing where to go and ending up on paths like this where there's a whole bunch of people and you're either dodging them, doing crazy maneuvers to get around and it's not so safe. So I feel your pain a little bit. I've come up with a bit of a sideways solution here. It's not going to give you a really clear answer, but it is interesting and it's a bunch of code developed by a guy called William Benton. He's called it Sir Le Pluck. And what it does, it analyzes your data from existing rides and gives you shaded maps of where you performed your best intervals for power outputs at various durations. So it'll give you a green shaded area for one minute, blue for three minutes and red for 10 minutes. I'm sure it does other ones or you may be able to set it up to do other ones. And with these visualizations, you can decide where to go to do interval workouts based on where you've set best efforts in the past. I don't know if this is the best solution for you because it may have been certain times of day or whatever. I would have a look at the best intervals that you have done at these different durations or whatever you can match close to the workouts that you're doing and see if there is a time of day that you did it that was best or if there was something special about that area that you haven't thought about it would be a good way to cluster these different spots so you're not just trying to do a five minute effort where you do a one minute effort because it's not ideal it's like your seven minute hill you run out of room in some places so it's going to give you a clear picture of where the best places are in your city to do this and outside of that really your only option is to buy a smart trainer and just be done with it Question five, I've tried to remove a set of Shimano pedals from an old bike with no luck. Anyone got tips? My best tip is leverage is your friend. If you've seen a pro-level pedal spanner, you will know that they're quite long compared to a normal spanner. And this is what you've got to do. You've got to go longer. Get some pipe or something that is solid with a hole in it. So you can get a snug fit over the spanner that you're using, or even if it's an Allen key. And I guess it goes without saying that these have to be quality tools here. Otherwise, they are just going to crap out straight away. And the longer it is, the more leverage you're going to get and the easier it's going to be, even if you have to put your body into it. This has worked a charm for me for many years so I don't see why it wouldn't work for you. It also goes without saying that I'm sure that you've lubed them all up. You spread WD-40 or whatever into any gaps. Plus, you greased them before they went on, right? Well, I guess you didn't. But anyway, leverage is your friend. And bam, that's it. Now, 
This is one quick announcement for semi-pro cycling. I'm also doing videos. So if you head over to YouTube and type in semi-pro cycling, you'll find some videos that I have been doing. There's a wide variety of videos that I'm trying to put together. It is cycling-based, but it's not just the stuff that I would do for the podcast. There is a video version of this show, but there is also a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm trialing out to see what works for you. So jump on over there. I'd love if you subscribed and we can get some conversations over there. The interesting thing about YouTube is that it really is a great community to talk. Of course, there are a bunch of trolls that drop into comments, but outside of that, I do think it's a great forum to get us talking and I look forward to seeing you over there.